much love. Nothing lasts forever. We both know hearts can change. It's hard to hold a candle. In the cold November rain. It's episode 27. It's not in October anymore. Hi, Julie. Hello, Renee. <laughs> we are now in the land of the living. We have oh, I hate finished. That. I know. I know. So that means that we're back to a different theme every single week. And this theme's theme, this theme's theme, voyant, this week's <laughs> theme was sequels. sequels. So we. Uh, we each read a book that is the sequel to a previous book that we had read on the podcast. So a bit of a callback episode, mm-hmm. if you will, in a sense. Um, Renee. Yeah. I'm really excited. And no one who listens to this podcast or who follows the show at all um, will be surprised to discover <laughs> that I loved my book this week. Would you read, bud? I read a continuation in the Bromance Book Club. Ooh! Of course you did. Of course I fucking did. The second you were like, what about sequels? I'm like, yes, yes. Hang <laughs> in the buzzer. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Oh, god damn. I love this fucking series so fucking much. So um, I read Crazy Stupid Bromance, which is the Aww. third book in the Bromance Book Club series uh, by... Lissa K. Adams. And now, how many have you read to date? This will be the, f- my fourth one. I own all five of them, but I've been slowly keeping them for the podcast. So I've read the first three in the series. And then okay. there was a bit of a standalone, but still connected Christmas book that I read last year for the podcast. Right. right. Um, so now I have one more book left of the ones that have been written thus far from the bromance book club i don't know if there will be more beyond these um but certified bangers every single one of them and of all the books that we've talked about on the show of all the books i've recommended to people when they find out about this podcast and ask me you know what did you like or like what's a good intro to romance you know i'm looking for a good beach read or like you know whatever it is every single person who has picked up bromance book club was obsessed bought the whole series a friend of mine in fact crushed the entire series um and then her husband read them all and he fucking loved it so they are a fan favorite here on the show they are one of the only books i've like an you know series i guess um that are are just so consistently good and laugh out loud funny and not in a way that's like like some of the books we read are purposely trying to be funny and they're just like, this is outrageous. Like this person is fucking, uh, what was it you had last week? A scarecrow or whatever. But like they do it in a funny way. This is just like genuinely funny dialogue between people. Um, and for those of you who are new to the podcast, bienvenue. Uh, I'm going to read you an excerpt later that will give you a bit more context about how, um, how everything comes to be. But This particular book, which I said is the third one, it's called Crazy Stupid Bromance. Uh, It came out in 2020. Uh, They're all pretty hefty. So this is about 350 pages. And um, yeah, like they're all very long and they don't really feel it though. Like this one didn't feel it that way at all. Like it's just, it's a great 
um, yeah, it's just like, they're so good and they're so funny. And the story behind the story is that Lisa K. Adams was a journalist for many, many years and got tired of the kind of ambulance chasing, super depressing nature of doing that. And so she returned to her childhood love of writing romance. And in particular, like she has written other series, but this one is, you know, far and away her most popular one. And it's inspired by the fact that she heard about a very real book club, romance book club that men had started where they were reading romance to better understand first to sort of understand like what's the appeal why is it such a popular genre with women uh but then realize that actually gave them an opening into really important conversations around masculinity and also about relationships and how to be a better partner and they really ended up kind of viewing romance as contemporary romance at least i mean i wouldn't speak to you know the danielle Steeles and the jude Devereux and the you know of back in the day but um, you know, this idea that it really gives you insight into women's minds and women's views on sexuality and relationships because the vast, 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 vast majority of romance is written by women for women. So Lisa K. Adams heard about this, thought what an interesting concept, and then created a series based around men who have a romance book club and they talk about the books and talk about the themes within them. And each book kind of centers around a, a particular... So there's like it's very meta. It's kind of like a 30 Rock situation where there's like a book within the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like the second... The first book was a little bit more sort of generic tone, but the second book in the series um, was from the perspective of one of the members of the book club who really loved romantic suspense. So um, that particular book, which was called Undercover Bromance, um, he was reading a suspenseful novel and then actually had to put some of those skills into practice to help um, a woman that was dealing with a Me Too situation. So um, this book is so interesting because the book within the book is actually about a guy who goes back to his hometown and finds out that he has a child that he <gasps> knew nothing about. Um, and so it's sort of like a second chances uh, type story. And that informs the theme of this particular book. So I'm going to give you, there's a lot of subplot in this book. Um, so I'm going to give you the real overview of what happens because there's a lot of intricacy that I don't want to bore people with. But the premise is um, that Alexis Carlisle owns. <clears throat> are you ready for it? She owns a cat ca a cat cafe oh, called Toe Beans. Stop! Oh, right? my God. You're like a play on word. Coffee beans, cat beans. I'm like so into it. I'm like it's layered. It's layered like an onion. Um, and so another thing that's that's that. I think is so impressive about this series is that you could absolutely just pick up any of the books in the series and read it and have a grand old time. But if you read them in order, you can pick up on overlapping characters. So um, Alexis Carlisle has a bit of a, a, has a cameo basically has like a plot line in some of the other books. Uh, and they all sort of like pick up the threads from each other. So it's kind of fun if you've, you know, got to the third book and you're like, Oh yeah, him and his wife had issues in the first book. And then they solved it through romance. And like, it's very sweet. So Alexis Carlisle owns the Tobin's cafe, 
because she was working for this incredibly prestigious chef who was like world renowned and he was an absolute fucking creeper and she ended up uh going public and suffered dire consequences in some ways but ended up being kind of the poster child for me too essentially so she goes out on her own strikes out on her own and opens this cafe um with some friends of hers who were also women who were victims of the serial predator and so she creates opportunities for them and because she's become the kind of poster child for me too her cafe also attracts a lot of survivors and so she um, routinely has women come in and look quite sheepish and sit there for hours and hours and hours, just like slowly sipping on a coffee and then eventually work up the courage to tell her like, Hey, it happened to me as well and connect with them. So she starts organizing like yoga at the coffee shop and the after hours oh. for survivors and really creates kind of this like hub, which is really lovely. And so there's one day where this young woman, youngish woman comes in and does the classic, like sitting there, looks kind of shy, looks like she wants to talk, but can't really. Um, and so Alexis goes up to her and is like, Hey, like, how's it going? And she's like, Oh, good. good, good. And they kind of get scared off and leaves. And so she's like, Oh, it's okay. You know, sometimes people are not ready to tell their story. So she comes back and Alexis is like, look, if you want to talk, we can go to my office. And this, girl tells her oh yeah no i'm not here about that i'm here because you're my sister and um our dad is dying and needs a kidney and you might be a donor can you donate a kidney uh, and she's like what blinking man gif and it's like i never knew who my father was i never bothered to search for him and she was like well you did like a dna like a 21 and me or what 23 and me whatever it is um a few years ago and you opened it up to being you know open to getting matches from other people. So that's how I found out you existed a few years ago. And I wanted to reach out to you, but dad said not to. Um, so he doesn't even know that I'm talking to you, but he's desperate for a match and it might be you. Can you please consider it? And she's like, Whoa, I don't fucking know. Like that's a lot to drop on somebody. And I'm like, yeah, girl, I totally understand. Um, so she confides in her bestie who just happens to be, uh, a real smoke show. Um, looks like he's got a bit of a hipster vibe. So he's got like cool glasses. He's got like long hair. He is a computer genius, former hacker who got arrested and then ended up helping the FBI try to figure out how to basically improve their security and now owns like an infosec company and work has like millions of dollars and works with millionaire clients. And they are best friends. But his friends from the book club uh, are like, bitch, you like her. Just fucking tell her that you like her. Join our book club. Because he's not in the book club, but he has a bunch of friends that are in it. And he's like, this stupid. I don't fucking need this. Blah, blah, blah. We're good friends. We're good friends. And it's like, dude, it's obvious that you really like her. And he's like, yeah, but I don't want to ruin our friendship. And like, you know, I don't think she feels the same way as me. Um and so when she confides in him about this family situation, he's like, fuck them. You've never met these people in your entire life. They said they found out about your existence three years ago and they never reached out until they needed something like that just feels shitty. You don't owe them anything. I know you're nice and you're trying to always help people, but like you have to look out for yourself. So they end up figuring, you know, back and forth discussing what to do. It's very clear that they have feelings for each other. Um, but they, neither of them want to act on it. So they just fall back on like, oh, this is unrequited love and it's fine. And then one day 
she's oscillating on what to do. She ends up going to get a blood test and a bunch of other tests. And it turns out she is a perfect match to be a donor and isn't sure if she should go ahead with it or not. Still feels uncertain because when she goes to meet the dad and his wife and his other children, she realizes, oh, Candy, who's the girl who approached her, you never actually told your family that I existed. You never told your dad that I was coming to visit. And so I just dropped a bomb on these people and you set me up. And obviously they're uncomfortable with my very existence because it turns out I was born when your dad, and then shortly after your dad married your mom. So it turns out that uh, Alexis's mom had like a summer fling with this guy and she thought it could turn into something. And he also shared big feelings with her and then said, no, I have to go back to uh, my hometown. This was just like a summer job that I had. Um, And actually I'm just on a break from this woman I had been dating and we took some time apart and I need to go back and be with her. And she's like, fuck you and the horse you rode in on and just bounced and didn't tell him that she was pregnant. So now, I mean, you have this woman who was like, oh, I'm sorry. When we took a break 33 years ago, you made a person like, of course, she's got big feelings about it. Right. So like Alexis is like, I just stepped on a fucking landmine and like you came to my house and blew up my life and now I blew up your life. So like, let's just call this quits. Like, this is awful. And so she goes and tells Noah, oh, my God, this thing just happened. I went to their house and they weren't happy to see me. And like, I just have big feelings and I don't know what to do. And so she confides in him and he offers to hug her. And then she reaches to kiss him and they start having this like mad makeout. And then she goes to like reach for his pants. And all of a sudden he's like, hey, can we just stop for a minute? Like, we need to talk about this. And she like takes it as rejection and is like you're right, you're right, this is a terrible idea, and leaves. And then he's all fucking distraught. And so his friends are like, God damn it, dude, join our fucking book club. Read this fucking book. It'll change your life. And he's like, I don't want to. And they're like, what do you got to lose at this point? You fucking lost everything anyway. You ruined your friendship regardless. So figure out how to fix it. So he reads this book about second chances and he tries to figure it out. Um, And then he basically has the courage to finally declare that he's into her. And then she's like, oh my God, hard same. They then fucked the shit out of each other for several pages. Didn't hate any of it. Um, nice. And then there's a big drama because um, her papa that she has just met, uh, he works for um, a weapons manufacturer and a defense company. And Noah is not only an ex-hacker, his father died from a wayward missile as a soldier in Afghanistan. Um, So he's already really uncomfortable with this man because he's like, it's possible that my dad, you know, that your dad made the missiles that killed my dad. And this guy comes out of the blue and asks for a kidney. I don't fucking trust him. And honestly, I'm with you, Noah. (laughs) Sounds like a Mm -hmm. sketchy dude. Um, So in the midst of her deciding whether or not to go ahead with the surgery and Noah and her having this little break and not knowing what to do with their feelings, um, then deciding, okay, fuck it, let's try dating, and it's wonderful, and we're banging, and we're having a time, all of a sudden, all of these top secret documents from that weapons firm have been leaked on the internet, showing that they knew there was, like, malfunctioning, and that it had a likelihood of um, killing people that did not intend to, and so her dad's family is like, your fucking boyfriend did this. Your fucking boyfriend hacked into my goddamn computer and leaked all these documents. And so she confronts him to say, Noah, did you do this? And he's like, 
do you actually fucking think that I would do that? How dare you accuse me of that? And she's like, well, I had to ask. And he's like, if you trusted me, you would never would have. Like, why would I fucking do that to you? Like, I have big feelings about it, but like, I'm not going to blow up your life. I care about you. So she's like, oh, fuck. Now I just fucked this up. And then she goes and tells the dad, it wasn't my boyfriend. I promise you. And then her new brother is like, fuck you. We don't want you here. We'll find someone else to give you a kidney. You just fucking ruined our lives. Like, blah, 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 blah. And the dad's like, I leaked the documents. I did it. He's like, I'm, oh I'm old. I'm dying. And I've had this on my conscience for years. So I leaked it. It wasn't him at all. And then she's like, oh, my God, I accused him for no reason. And he really cares about me. And he meant it when he said he wouldn't fuck up my life. Um, and so uh, she goes back to him. She makes amends. And then that's when it becomes meta with the book about second chances and forgiveness and forgiving people when they fuck up. Um, She has the surgery. It goes well. She's a good match. She's recovering well. They have a happily ever after where they're clearly going to be together. And for fans of the Bromance Book Club uh, series, there's a little teaser. There's very clearly like a, ooh, setting up the next one about one of the other characters and a dynamic that's happening in his relationship. And so it's a fun little ending where if you don't intend to keep reading the series, you still get, you know, a happily ever ending and it's, you know, wraps up in a bow. <clears throat> but if you are like, mm, wanting a little of like, what is next? There is a teaser that the Russian, who's a fan favorite, everyone I know who has read the books has commented on their love of this character, that uh, it implies that the next book will be from his perspective uh, cause he may or may not be getting catfished. <gasps> yes. Oh, so I'm no. fucking dying to read the next one because you know me, the only true crime I like scammers, catfish, white collar <laughs> crimes, MLMs. Like this is the shit that feeds my fucking soul. Um, <laughs> and so I fully intended to read the next one anyway, because I do adore these books, but the fact that there might be a little bit of like <laughs> catching some catfish, I'm like, yes. So, did I love this book? Yeah, I do. I love them all. Funny, very sweet, but doesn't feel like sickly put on. Like it feels very authentic in terms of people being uh, having you know big feelings and articulating those feelings in ways that are realistic. Spicy scenes. I like nice and spicy. Very very feminist. So I'm going to read you a little excerpt that's going to talk about exactly all of the things they unpack in their book club. Um, so five out of five on the spice in terms of, uh, I'll say five out of five dirty chai. Um, <laughs> Cause she did love a good chai and accoutrement. I'm going to give it a collar and a leash because there is a whole subplot about the cats at the cat cafe, including one called beefcake that <gasps> is constantly trying to attack Noah and it's his arch nemesis. And therefore, at one point, they try to get, put a harness on the cat to take it for walks so that it doesn't actually kill all the wildlife when it goes for a walk. Um, and there's this whole thing with the harness and the collar on this cat. So um, I'm going to give it a collar and a leash and five out of five dirty chais for Crazy Stupid Bromance, the third book in the Bromance Book Club series by Lisa K. Adams. How could you make something so wholesome, so filthy? It's a gift that this woman has. Like, I'm like dead ass. If I think about like, if I were to write romance, which I honestly think I might do one day, you have inspired me. 
um, Renee, I mean, not Lisa K. Adams, but uh, I feel like this is kind of the, the type of book that I would write, like that vibe of like humor and um, like feminist undertones and overtones, depending. And also like, it's spicy, but like she never uses cringy words for the genitals. You know what I mean? There's no like, I don't know, just like fucked up. I can't even think of an example right now, but you know what I mean? Like just like cringe or like super, super explicitly graphic, like descriptors, like he fucked my cunt or whatever, which like, Hey, you do you, there's a time and place for that. But, um, it manages to really like hit that spot of like very spicy. Um, but also not crude, I guess. I don't know how to explain it, but big fan, big fan. And then you're like, and I read the crudest, most offensive, explicit thing. And I'm like, tell me more, Renee. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is what I I lean towards. And I was hopeful. I was hopeful for this week. um, Because the first book I loved so much. And this author I love so much. So I'm just going to get into it. Do it. Um, So last week, I read a Vera Valentine book. And I had mentioned that... Listeners might remember her from the uh, balloon shifter book that I had read called Squeak. Um, And so she released Squeal, the Squeakwool, to uh, this book. Now, I wouldn't say it was a proper sequel or Squeakwool because it overlaps the end of the first book. And it was a short story. It was very, very short. It was 50 pages, whereas the other one was a proper novel. Um, and really all this did was um, introduce another character. And um, that was it, really. It just introduced another <laughs> character. Um, so essentially, the entire plot is that when... <clears throat> our balloon shifter characters Keen and Sebastian from the other book <clears throat> fled the carnival where they were created uh, by Xena um, a not real tulpomancer um, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate what a tulpomancer is but um, when that happened they went and they, they found this girl and it turned out um, that she was a legitimate tulpomancer and they uh, bonded because it's it's like a shifter omega alpha situation um, and so she with her very real power was able to stop Xena from reclaiming the balloon shifters right okay so in this book this is happening after um, Keen and Sebastian have bonded with Poppy and they are um, in full swing of their of their mating in their nest and whatever in their house. Um, and so Xena has made another tulpa. And this one was kind of made by like scraps, so pieces of like magazines and stuff. Now, a tulpa is an idea, right? <laughs> That's what it is. Tulpa's just an idea. It's a concept, uh, man. It's just it's a, a concept. concept. You just really got to lead into it. Um, so Tulpa's an idea made real. I'm sorry. I don't know why that's just so funny I know. to me. You're just like... I know. <laughs> 
She's like, she's like a vibe, man. I know. I love that it's like these balloons are not the funny thing. It's what they represent. Um, so Atulpa could be confused for like an imaginary friend, but it's a very real thing. And people who um, have tulpas or imaginary friends believe in them so heartily that they become real to them, like very, very real. And so in the story, Xena used, I guess, like piece together tulpamancy to create uh, these balloon shifters in the first book. And in this one, um, she's lost them. They're gone. Um, and she's pissed as hell. She does not allow purple or red balloons at the carnival anymore. Um, and she now has a partner called like, it's not Poirot. It's like something Russian, but whatever. <laughs> um, Pitori or something. So Pitori, um, is like the ringleader at this carnival and his niece, Maya, um, we learn later in the book is actually another really real Tulpamancer and her, her, her uncle Pitori has um, sought out Xena because he learned of her family's legacy for Tulpamancy, which wasn't really real and is trying to find a way to exploit that by seducing her and, and marrying her and stuff. So Maya gets tasked with following Xena around to kind of get the goods on everything. But what's happened is that Xena has put a spell on Maya. She actually can't talk about the Tulpa Mancy. And she forced Maya to help her make a new Tulpa. This one... <sighs> I don't even know how this works. I don't. Might be a balloon. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. But is a clown. Okay. Okay. So, so he shifts into a clown. Uh, there is, there is a content warning at the beginning of this book for people who are afraid of clowns. Um, so he shifts into a clown so he can like his body turns into the shoes and the, and the nose and the outfit and everything. Um, but there's another part later where you're like, maybe he's a balloon. It, it, it We never know. We never know. Um, so he can turn into a clown, but um, he when he was born, he was told, you know, he had the only thing that he knew was that he was never to question Xena. He was never to try and run away. And he was never to tell anybody what he was, but he doesn't really know what he is. So he becomes best friends with Maya and Maya has him uh, storing money away for her. And he's happy to do it because he's ignorant. He's he has no brains. He's brand new to this world. He was born at night. It was probably last night. We don't he's he dumb. He dumb, but he's hot as hell. Even the brain is smooth. Yeah. Yeah, like a balloon. Um, so they're storing away money. And then one night, Maya is like, hey, we got to get the fuck out of here. Like, we got to go now. We have to go find somebody who can help us. Um, she still can't explain to him what's going on because of her spell. Um, but they take that money and they run. They hotwire a car and they drive away to the city. Meanwhile, um, Keen and Seb and Poppy are all still fucking. They're fucking in their nest. And I will remind listeners um, that their uh, bodies smell like carnival food. So funnel cake, mm. cotton candy, 
that kind of business. Um, sorry, I think one of them is like caramel corn and then the other is funnel cake. Um, not really uh, like smells I want to be surrounded with also in addition to fucking like that's a lot, but I digress. Um, so they're just doing their business. They're like, Oh man, when is this heat going to end? And by heat, it mean they're fucking right. Mm -hmm. Not the heat in the building. Um, and, uh, they're like, you know what? Pretty soon, I bet. I bet it's going to happen any day now. Then I guess Ronnie, the clown, Ronnie and Maya make it to the city and they're like, we got to find this person. And so Maya reveals that Poppy's actually her mother's sister's daughter. So she is a long lost cousin. They're related. That's how she knows that she has the same power as her. Um, and that she could probably help us because that's where Seven Keen are. Um, and then uh, they just hunt them down. That's it. Now there's a scene where they stay in a hotel for the first time and, uh, Ronnie doesn't really need any sleep cause he's, he slept in the car. And so she's like, okay, why don't you watch some TV and learn about the world? Cause you don't know shit and you need to learn about the world. She's like, so flick around, watch some TV, but don't watch channel 13. He's like, you got a boss. And so he's flipping around channels. He's staying up night all night watching TV. And then, oh, whoops, he made it to <laughs> channel 13. <laughs> and it's porn. It's porn. And he's just like, what are these feelings? Because he's never seen sex before. He doesn't know what it is. Because he's a baby. He was born yesterday. Um, and then we learn he doesn't have a dick. He has no parts. He doesn't have he doesn't have a penis. He doesn't have a vagina. He has nothing. He has nothing. Um, so he's just like what is that man doing to that lady? Where are my parts? Ah, oh, shucks. Like beans. I wish I had those parts because that stirs something in me. So then they they stake out apartment buildings. Um, and meanwhile, Poppy's like, Oh my God, I feel weird. Like I wish this heat would end. Uh, but you know, it's because his, her other fucking alpha is out in her city. She doesn't know it. Um, and so one day she's outside putting out the trash and then she sees, oh my God, Ronnie, like outside of the building. And she's like, oh, he's so hot, but he looks like Ronald McDonald by the description. So I'm just like, I don't know, like how hot could he possibly be? Um, but he smells like chocolate and, uh, she's like, yum, yum, yum. I want to gobble him up. But then just before she can like approach this guy and be like, who you is, a car pulls up and it's and it's Maya and she's like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Zena found us. And he's like, oh no. So they go away. So then they go hide and then Maya's like, okay, did you see anything weird at that building? And he's like, yeah, I saw this girl and she gave me feelings like on channel 13 and he's like, she's like, yeah, okay, she's hot. And he's like, no, not like, like not human feelings. And she's like, oh my god, describe it. And so he's like, I think I think I want to touch her body and she's like oh my god maybe that's my cousin so then she goes back she talks to her and then she's like yeah i'll help you um and so she does and then they know Zena's coming and then i'll remind you and, and listeners that the final fight scene and there was one in the last book was that um Zena arrived at the house there to collect we thought were keen and seb and so uh poppy used her supreme tulpamancer powers to fill xena up with helium uh, and blow her up like aunt marge in uh, harry potter and then throw her off the balcony where she floated off into the stratosphere and so that that was what happened this was just leading up to that 
And then um, Keen and Seb are like, that was crazy. You're so powerful. We love you. And she's like, I love you guys too. Here's, here's this guy now. And they're like, oh, that's why we're still horny. And then they um, go, they want to like, back up on him and he's all up for it remember he doesn't have a penis and so poppy uh breathes the kiss of life into his mouth and oh he grows a penis and it's orange it's a balloon (laughs) jesus happy um but so there really wasn't there wasn't a ton of fucking in this right where i thought squeak uh was very spicy i thought it was a very spicy book i loved it i thought it was hilarious and i thought it was inventive and creative and i thought it was great so this is a great companion piece to that story but i wouldn't necessarily call it a sequel i hope that there is a legitimate sequel following this i actually don't even really have anything to read because that was the entire book like that everything i just said is is the book like so ah, sorry like (laughs) I recommend everybody go read Squeak. I to this day, everything but from Beer Valentine slaps. It's great. This was good too. This was a very good companion piece. Like you ever read The Wheel of Time? Get no. if you haven't read The Wheel of Time, it, it's just it's a really long fantasy series that goes. It's very very important uh, to fantasy literature, but there are lots of companion books you can get. So th- this would have would be a great companion piece for those of you on the fence about reading squeal or squeak because uh (laughs) this will give you more context as to how uh the final battle went down right but not as much fucking not as much but make sure you read this one after after you read so you can be like oh that that explains how she had helium the reason she had helium and was able to blow um, Xena up was because she wanted to do something sexual with some helium. So she went to a dollar store and bought um, a quinceanera balloon. And I was like, well, there it is. That explains everything. Cause I, for all this time that since I've read the book was like, how on earth did she manifest helium when it's like running out? Like, if she, if she can f- create helium, like, man, like that, that changes everything. Right. But no, she just went to the dollar store. So case solved this this wrapped up a few things for me i'm glad i'm glad <sighs> yeah so i anyway, mean I guess- as someone who grew up with a mother as a professional clown and whose home was literally surrounded by balloons at all times um i'm not scared of your book like people are scared of clowns but um i just i love everything about you renee and that includes the fact that you have brought this to my life <laughs> and honestly hashtag no regrets (laughs) i mean i wish i wish i could i could do a a greater deep dive into tulpamancy um because i feel like that's probably a skill i wish i had um but um you know what i i I stand by it every novel that i've read from vera valentine has been a 10 out of 10 every time um i Here's a, as far as like accoutrements go for this, I would give them like an air purifier because oh. <laughs> I don't want to be in that like hot cake and icing environment. No. Like would I fuck shifter balloon men? Yeah, sure. Why not? 
like, hey, you live once, right? But I don't want to be in that in that that smell. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's and a I lot. say this as someone who one had a clown for a mother and two is a hummingbird who loves sweets and desserts. And even I feel like I could like I got like a sensory like experience when you were describing it. I'm like, it just like that sickly sweet smell, like ooh. Like plus like body fluid. Exactly. Orgy plus funnel cake. And I'm like, that's 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 like having a scented candle on in a room, like in an orgy. A hundred percent. I was literally gonna say that it's like the equivalent of like having an orgy in like a bed bath and beyond. (laughs) Like just like so oh yeah, no. No. Absolutely not. Um, like, give me some eucalyptus, maybe. Like, give me yeah, give me a lavender, a balsam, Even that, a cedar. I, it's too warm. It's too warm. I need like something fresh to oh, kind of mask it, those uh, fluids. A jasmine, perhaps. Oh no. no, that that's a that's a headache in a can right there. Oh no, wow. You. Okay, learning lots of things about you today. I need to just not smell things. <laughs> I have garlic. Like, I hey, ha- garlic sounds great. I Let's have-, have a garlic candle. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so fucking gross. I have like the shittiest palate in the world. Like when people sip wine and can taste like notes of da 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 da, I can never do it. But my olfactory, like my nose, is so sensitive. So I hear you on like there's. I like a scented candle. I like scented things, but they have to be particular ones because otherwise it's like so gnarly and it just repulses me next level. I don't know if it's like an autism thing, but smells for me have like a girth to it and like warm smells like lavender or like cake or sugary. Like that's a, that's a heavy girth. And that's not what I want in my nostrils. Like I want like, like I said, eucalyptus, a spearmint, um, maybe a sit. Like I could fuck with maybe like a light citrus, maybe like maybe, but um, that's a, that's a that's a light girth. That's that's like a pencil dick of smell, <laughs> and I'm that's what I want near my face. I don't want any like two liter bottle of smell near my face. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know. This I'm I'm gonna be alone forever. It, it doesn't even matter. Like, no, no, no. Like, no lady nor sir will have their genitals near my face ever again. So I'm not gonna have to smell body fluids beyond my stinky, stinky teens. So that I can cover up with a candle. It's fine. <laughs> Well, head it over to you, Julie. (laughs) If you want to believe in love, I'm going to uh, end on that note. Um, So I'm going to read you a little bit longer than I usually would, but uh, I just want to read you this little section. Uh, This is chapter 12 in Crazy Stupid Bromance. And this is, I think, just a fun little part that gives you a taste of the book, the vibe, and also explains a bit more about the initiation into the bromance book club. So at this point, all of his friends are like, Noah, you like Alexis, just fucking tell her. And he's like, no, it'll ruin the friendship. And so they finally kind of have like worn him down enough that he's agreed to come and meet them at the bar of one of the guys in the club. 
for his initiation ceremony. And he's like, what the fuck is this? And this is what it is. <clears throat> Noah arrived 10 minutes early for his initiation and Mac, annoyed, told him to stay put in his office. Are you serious? Matt pointed. Book club is very serious. He walked out and shut the door behind him for good measure. Noah dropped into the chair in front of Mac's decks, dropped coming home, which is the romance he was assigned, onto the clean, sparse desktop and stared at the book. He'd tried to do more reading last night, but couldn't, mostly because his mind was firmly focused on Alexis and her trip to Huntsville today, where she was going to meet the her new family. But also because he didn't care what Mac and the guys tried to tell him. No story about a man who was too selfish to know he'd left behind a pregnant girlfriend was going to help him figure things out with Alexis. Noah had just taken up pacing and swearing when the door finally opened. The Russian filled the doorframe like a bouncer. Follow me. Noah hesitated, but he grabbed the book and obeyed. The Russian walked with the heavy-footed sobriety of a prison guard. And as soon as they entered the club, Noah understood why. The lights were dim, but for a spotlight shining on a table in the middle of the dance floor, where Mac, Gavin, Dell, Colton, and Malcolm waited with equally somber expressions. A single seat was unoccupied. Noah pulled the seat out, but Mac kicked it out of his reach. You haven't been invited to sit yet. You must first take the oath. Dell said. Noah laughed. <laughs> Are you serious? Mac's expression turned dark. Right. Sorry. Book club is very serious. Raise your right hand, Mac, Mac said. Noah did as he was told. Repeat after me, Mac said. I, Noah Logan, solemnly swear to uphold the principles of a bromance book club man. Noah mangled it, but got most of it out. Mac continued. I vow to do the hard work on myself to overcome a lifetime of toxic masculinity. Noah repeated it. And to use the lessons of the manuals to become a better man. Amen, the boy said. May I sit now? Mac nodded formally. Noah sat down just as Malcolm leaned forward. We will now commence with the interrogation. Noah's eyes darted among the men. Interrogation? We must decide if you're worthy, Colton said. This is ridiculous, he groaned. Rules are rules, assface. Mac said. The Russian giggled. <laughs> ass face. <laughs> Noah spread his hands wide. Fine, ask your questions. Why are you here? Malcolm asked. Because Mac's been on my ass about it. Colton slapped the table. No, wrong answer. Try again. Because I... Noah stopped. He wasn't ready to say this out loud. He said it to himself a hundred times, but saying it to the guys was a whole other level of honesty. Say it, Noah. Admitting it is the first step, Gavin said. Noah rolled his eyes, puffed out his cheeks, and spoke on the exhale. I'm here because I'm pretty sure I'm in love with my best friend. The guys nodded solemnly. Dell took over questioning now. What scares you most about being here? Uh, that you're going to hypnotize me and then tell me to strip naked or something? Not good enough, Colton barked. Try again. I'm scared about fucking it up. Fucking what up, Dell said. My relationship with her. And why does that scare you? Noah made a what the fuck expression. Why do you think? Because I don't want to lose her. The guys exchanged a look that either meant that's acceptable or get a load of this bullshit. Malcolm took over the cross-examination. When was the last time you had a real relationship? Noah shifted uncomfortably. What does that have to do with anything? You wanted our help. You have to work with us. Noah adopted a petulant pose, arms crossed as he leaned back in his chair. I don't know, like five years ago, I guess. You guess? Malcolm lifted an eyebrow. 
She was a woman I knew from MIT. We dated for a year. Mac jumped in. And no one since then? Noah lifted his shoulder in a defensive shrug. If he'd known he was going to be quizzed about his entire love life, or lack thereof, he would have reconsidered this entire thing. What is the point of all this? The point is to break the fucking cycle, Mac said. Women aren't rehab centers for emotionally stunted man babies who think the key to a serious relationship is to just wait for the right woman to come along. You have to be ready to be uncomfortable, to stretch yourself, to be vulnerable. Nora snorted. <laughs> you should write greeting cards. That was good. Malcolm sighed. You're resorting to sarcasm because you're uncomfortable with a man expressing himself so openly. We get it. One of the most insidious ways that toxic masculinity destroys men is that it strips us of the ability to express our emotions and to connect not just with women, but with other men. Because real men don't do that, right? Noah felt his head nod. Malcolm continued. How many times have you been told in your life to be a man? Unbidden, Noah's memory banks unleashed a torrent of unwelcome flashbacks, almost all involving Marsh, which is his papa. Don't let your mother see you cry like that. You're the man of the house now. You need to grow up and be a man. Men don't act like this. Have you ever been told that real men don't cry? Malcolm asked quietly. Noah nodded again. Discomfort inched across Noah's skin like a bug crawling up his arm. He wanted to swat it away, to slap it and destroy it. The last thing he wanted was to talk about it. We all have, Malcolm said, but there's a big fucking difference between what society teaches us what a real man does and what a good man does. And good men are willing to do the hard emotional labor on themselves to be strong partners to the people we love. But we can't do that alone, Dale said. We need our friends to help us. And that is the point of all this, Mac finished. Gavin patted his shoulder. We're here for you, man. We're really here for you. All you have to do is talk. So tell us something personal. You know this is weird, right? Like, all of this is weird? Is it, though? Or are you just terrified of learning a new code for manhood? Was he? Was it really possible that the hipster radical he considered himself to be was actually just another emotionally stunted man-baby? Start with something easy, Max said. It takes practice learning to really talk to other men, so start with something that won't require a ton of work. Something you maybe have been embarrassed to tell us before. Something... And I'm going to pause here before I finish this last part. This is for Renee. Renee will appreciate this. If you don't appreciate this as listeners, I don't give a shit. Renee will. <clears throat> so again, start with something easy, Max said. It takes practice learning to really talk to other men. Something you maybe have been embarrassed to tell us before. Something like, I like the Moana soundtrack. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I know. You love it so much. It's so beautiful. <laughs> so he blurts out, I love the Moana soundtrack. Noah blurted. Gavin blinked, as in the Disney movie? I wouldn't have said it if I knew you were going to make fun of me. I I'm not making fun. I'm just clarifying, Gavin said. I like the fucking Moana soundtrack, okay? That song, the one about how far I'll go. I love that shit. I blast it in my house. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> Malcolm spread his arms wide. Sing it for us. He blazed a path up his neck. I'm not fucking singing Moana for you. Fine, Max said, standing up. Then I will. A nightmare broke out along with a sheen of sweat on Noah's brow because Mac began to sing. And then Dell joined in and then Malcolm. Soon every man in the room except for Noah was singing arms wide. When they were done, a sniffle drew their attention to the Russian. He had tears running down his face. That was beautiful. See, Mac said, even the Russian gets it. He's not afraid to express his emotion. The Russian held his arms wide. I need hug. 
I got it, oh, Max said. <laughs> no, I got it, Max said, walking over and squeezing the Russian's massive girth. I kind of hate you right now, Noah said. Because we're right? Del asked. Because I'm feeling really obligated to hug the Russian. No. <laughs> you hate us because this is hard work, Max said, sitting down again. Noah ground the heels of his hand into his eyes. Just tell me what to do. The group spoke in annoyed unison. Read the book! Okay, but like, how the hell is this book supposed to help me? It's about a guy who abandoned his daughter, which is not someone I want to learn any fucking lessons from right now. Malcolm got that teacher about to drop some wisdom look about him. Uh, how do you think this book ends, Noah? It's a romance. I would assume they end up together and live happily ever after. Malcolm nodded. Exactly. All romances end that way. Even though readers know the minute they pick up a romance how they're going to end, they still read them loyally. Why do you suppose that is? The sex? Colton slapped the table again. No, wrong answer. It's the journey, Malcolm said. It's how they get to that happily ever after that matters and makes these books so special and instructive. The journey, Noah repeated. Yeah, there's no more universal story than of two people working through their shit to overcome huge obstacles and then finding their way to happiness, Malcolm said. But every journey is different, every obstacle unique, and it's in that unique journey that we find lessons for our own lives. But like, can't you just give me a cheat sheet? He was only half joking. Not if you really want this to work, Max said somberly. Just keep reading, Malcolm said. Your journey starts now. Oh! <laughs> wow. Right? We're going to be alone forever because oh. there are no men <laughs> reading of their own volition. No. Remember how last week I was, I, I just said it as a comment what women want. You're like, Kimmel Brooks. <laughs> I wish it was Mel Brooks. <laughs> he would never. <laughs> he would never. He would never. <laughs> I mean, he's a Jew. He can't be anti-Semitic. But yes, no, absolutely. And I mean, you're right. The only men I know who've read this book are married to my feminist friends. And they are rad feminist men in and of themselves. So, I mean, look, if you're a man and you're reading the Bromance Book Club earnestly because you love it, slide into our DMs. We're two single gals. We'll explore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. And like, but I'm you're so single. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like this, the, also like, I can totally picture these books as like a series, like a TV series or a TV show or a sitcom or something. Like, I just feel like there's something, even movies, but I just feel like there's something, if we can make movies out of the sisterhood of the traveling pants, I feel like <laughs> we can make a, like a series or a movie about like, cause there's an NFL player, the Russian is a hockey player, there's a country singer, there's a guy who owns a bar, there's a chef, like, there's an IT guy. It's a good, you know, you have all the archetypes that men can see themselves in, all the different versions of masculinity, all of them committed to, like, even the dudes that are single, like, committed to just, like, being respectful in their interactions with women, and I'm like, we love to fucking see it, you know? Really do. Truly really do. do. So, I mean, I just, I want, I want a single guy. I want a single guy to be like, I read these books and holy shit. Like, that's what I, that's what I want. I want oh my God. Can you imagine if a guy was like, oh, you have a romance podcast? That's so cool. Have you read the Bromance Book Club? I'm such a huge fan. I'd be like, <laughs> panty soup. Like, I would die. That's what I'm saying. I would die. 
I would die. You know what? All the guys in my life love to send me um, covers of books that are like dinosaur stud and shit. And I'm like, you think I don't know? You think I don't know that this book exists? Like, meet me, meet me at my level, boys, please. Okay. And it it would it would blow my fucking mind if they were like, have you read the? Oh my god, I would die. <laughs> the Bromance Book Club. Instead of being like, check out this sick book cover. Not even knowing if it's a real book or not. It's like, I fucking know. I know because this is my job. Exactly. You're <laughs> my like, job to know. It's my passion. <laughs> my passion in a passionless life. What's that? <laughs> I was trying to make a joke, but I forgot of it. That like famous Kim Kardashian quote where she was like, if you, you don't know anything about running, if you had any passion and you don't know anything about running a project like this, I don't fucking remember what it is. But anyways, I just picture you being like, if you had any joy in your life and any passion, you would understand how difficult it is to have a career. And it's really hard to parse through the like jokey romance novels from the actual legit ones. And we do that work. We're putting in the time. We're doing it. We're doing so our 10,000 hours. To. So if you're going to slide into the DMs, <laughs> men, send us books that you've read. Then, then we'll be fucking impressed. You know what? There is this guy that I follow on Instagram. And I don't know what his deal is, but he is like a romance history buff. And he'll like cover a single book. He'll tell you all about the author. He'll tell you about like the publisher. He'll tell you about the era that it, and it's so cool. And I message him to be like, Hey, listen, I got this show. I would love it if you would be on my show. Come talk to us about stuff. Never message me back. And I'm like, you're nobody. You're <gasps> nobody. But still, like, I, I watch his videos all the time because they're so fascinating. And I'm like, this autistic man <laughs> has found his special interest and I am hooked. You know what? He is so much better than me. And I would never say that about a man, but he is so much better than me. And um, I was presumptuous to assume that this wizard would want to be on our comedy show. <laughs> so I apologize emotionally to this, to this gentleman. But yeah, he, he's fascinating. He, he knows so much. And <laughs> I I relate to him because I'll be like, oh, this actress who was in this film with this person. And, this, and then my kids are like, mom. Okay. Dial Tell down the down. tism there, Ma. I was watching a movie with Liam and I was like, oh, this person was in, in this movie back in 1988 with this. And he's like, pterodactyl screech? I was like, <laughs> okay. Duly noted. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. Well, anyway, you, do, you know what? You do what you love. And you never work a day in absolutely. <laughs> whether it's trains whether it's romance whatever really scratches that itch for you but for here on the show it's romance sometimes zany and people fucking balloons sometimes people having earnest conversations about toxic masculinity this club has everything and what will we be bringing the masses next week renee uh we're going back to the day back in the day Next week's theme is back in the day, and I am dying to know what direction Renee is going to take it in. Uh, we got so much wacky shit lined up for you for the rest of this season, including we are approaching the month of December, which is my time yeah. to shine. We're giving you holidays, holiday romance, 
Huh. Like holla gays. Oh, let us let us be. Uh Renee, also follow, continue to follow our Ravage Love Instagram if you don't already get on it, because Renee posts delicious things. And you know, as we get closer to the holidays, that the Hallmark movie garbage will be on full display, (laughs) which means Renee is gonna be living her best life, giving you um some live feedback on bullshit movies that are playing so like you just you don't want to miss it honestly the world is literally and figuratively on fire right now so if you need a sliver of joy in your life while you're doom scrolling through the absolute demise of the world as we know it uh, make sure you add ravage love to your doom scrolling list because renee's got gems on gems on gems and she just she's nothing but hits within the meme game so um follow us and also, go to ravagelove.com to <clears throat> download past episodes, see what our interests are, what we're up to, what we look like, including Joshua, our beloved producer. Uh, our sweet baby angel. Oh, and please like and subscribe. Yeah, and review and keep on listening because we love it. And we heard you in our last episode. We said, you know, we've been kicking around the idea of merch. Are we into it? And Y'all have messaged us to say that you're into it. So, you know, next season might have some merch for y'all. Just saying, if you keep asking for it, we will deliver the goods. Nothing else going on, guys. (laughs) We want nothing but to bring you joy. Um, And so that's why we're here. It's really our raison d'être. So as always, it was really lovely. Maybe we get like Ravage Love branded uh, vaginal eggs. Oh, I mean, do you know they're my favorite thing? I don't have any, but like, it's my favorite thing to talk about on the show. <laughs> People birthing eggs, fucking live for it. So just imagine like, <laughs> just like a little egg with the like fabric land Ravage Love logo on it. Uh, I love it. Or like a Ravage Love like vibrator. Oh, I was just about to say a Ravage Love dildo of some sort. One hundred p. Yeah. Um, I mean, we need to get to the level where, like, we could each have our own. So, like, you could have, like, a cryptid dildo, because we know that'd be your jam. And... The giant tentacle. Uh, absolutely. Um, and mine... And would- yours is, like, a little butter churner. <laughs> like, just a gotta, stick. It's gonna bring back my love of Amish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotta be both, like, Amish-themed, so, like, very rudimentary, but also somehow extremely sapphic. Um, so I'd have to think about what that is, but... Like, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just like a really old stick for a butter churn <laughs> without like the bucket, but it's really old, so it's got like slivers. But then it also has like the woman symbol on it, Ooh. or like a quote from like Gloria Steinem or something. <laughs> See, as you were saying that, I'm thinking a riding crop because they have horses, right? They get around a little buggy, get a little riding crop. But yeah, the handle is the woman symbol. That's it. That's it right there. Boom, nailed it. <sighs> That feels gaudy. I don't know. Um, how dare you? <laughs> I just think it's like we can workshop it. Okay. Okay. Says the woman who's like immediately, I was like a tentacle. You're like nailed it. Um, yeah, we'll workshop it. We'll get to it. I don't know that we're going to have sex toy merch, but we are going to have merch for the masses that are down to clown with our fucked up ways. Cause you, you lift our spirits y'all. You lift our spirits week after week. So thank you for doing that and as always it's been lovely chatting with you Renee what's the feeling is mutual wonderful sing us out sure do bud 
Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at Ravage Love on Instagram and Twitter or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com.